Amen. Uh, so today we're stepping back into our second sermon in our Advent series. Um, we are taking a break from the book of Acts, if you didn't notice. Uh, and so we are taking a break from the book of Acts as the church is you know, just kicking off in its uh, infancy. Uh, and we're, we're now asking for something better to come. You know, Advent is this groan for something better. It's this longing for something better. And we're, 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 we're adventing Christmas in. Yes, you can make that into a verb, Malcolm. He told me I couldn't. <laughs> sometimes we're, we're, when we ask for something better, sometimes when, when we're in need, we're, we're in a, maybe in a broken place, we, we need uh, good news desperately. Maybe, when, maybe, we're, we're, we're in, maybe we're, we're, we're broke, maybe we're, maybe we're just rocked or shocked, and it's in these desperate moments that sometimes um, charlatans can come in and take advantage of us, Right? And so we're just so itching to believe something so good. And it's in those moments um, you have someone who says, all right, you want to get rich? I got this great plan. If you give me $100, I will make it into $500 back to you. Just give me three weeks. And so give me your $100. You guys ever heard this offer? You know, and so it's called a get-rich-quick scheme for, for a reason. I'm promising to get you rich. But you know what? When the son of the deposed king of Nigeria emails you directly asking for help, I mean, his father ran the stinking country, okay? It's an office reference. Uh, we, we are, we're just inundated with, with these unbelievable promises, right? We are, we are inundated with people making these great promises that I will do this, I promise it. I mean, with politicians, you know, someone running on, on the platform, I will end poverty, it's nothing. Or another, another one, I will, another running on, I will, I will end uh, unemployment. No. And so I think what can happen sometime is when we've had enough promises made, children, you can hear this too from our, us parents, uh, when, we, when we've made enough promises and not followed through with them, we can start to doubt the promises, right? I mean, we, we, all of us, children, parents alike, we, we can become bitter after a while going, does anything, does anyone actually, you know, mean what they say? Does anyone actually, uh, actually own their word? And we, we just kind of give up. Will it ever come? And it's, and it's right here. At this moment, when, 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 when you're doubting and you're, you're needing hope, you're needing joy, and you're, and you're kind of becoming cynical about everything around you, it's at this moment that Jesus comes. And that's at this moment that Jesus came in his first advent, when, when all hope seemed lost, when they hadn't heard about any, anything for 400 years in the darkest moment in their history, wondering what is happening. That's when, we, in these impossible circumstances and these impossible promises, that's when we say, only God. Only God can step in in those moments. And so let's stand for the reading of God's word. We're going to be looking at Acts, I'm sorry, Acts. We're going to be looking at Luke 1. Uh, verses 26 through 38, and we're going to be reading it uh, in our Spanish translation. Uh, Lawrence, you here? Come on up, Lawrence. So Luke 1, verse 26 through 38, and if you do not have a Bible, we have Bibles at the back um, at the table there. Please take one. That's our gift to you. A los seis meses, Dios envió al ángel Gabriel a Nazaret, 
pueblo de Galilea a visitar a un, una joven uh, virgen comprometida para casarse con un hombre se llamaba Josué, descendiente de David. La virgen se llamaba María. El ángel se acercó a ella y le dijo, Te saludo, tú que has recibido el favor de Dios. El Señor está contigo. Ante estas palabras, María se per perturbó y se preguntaba qué podría significar este saludo. No tengas miedo, María. Dios te ha concedido su favor, le dijo el ángel. Quedarás en cita y darás a luz un hijo y le podrás no por nombre Jesús. Él será un gran hombre y lo llamarán Hijo de Altísimo. Dios el Señor le dará el trono de su padre David y reinará sobre el pueblo de Jacob para siempre. Su reinado no tendrá fin. ¿Cómo podrá suceder esto? Le preguntó María al ángel, puesto que soy virgen. El Espíritu Santo vendrá sobre ti y el poder del Altísimo te cubrirá como su sombra. Así que el santo niño que va a nacer llamará, lo llamarán Hijo de Dios. También tu parienta Elizabeth va a tener un hijo en su vejez. De hecho, lo que, la que decían que era estéril ya está en el sexto mes de embarazado embarazo, porque para Dios no hay nada imposible. Aquí tienes a la sierva del Señor, contestó María, que él haga conmigo como me has dicho. Con esto el ángel le dejó. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Let's pray. Father, we, we thank you for your word and all of its beautiful languages. Uh, and so, Lord, uh, as we come to this text, which we may have heard um, multiple, multiple times uh, around Christmas. Lord, help us to not just be calloused to it. And so, Lord, may, may different uh, readings, different translations, a different sermon, uh, Lord, uh, enlighten the beauty that is uh, here within this text, Lord, that is your word. And so, Lord, we, we come to you, we all come begging, Lord, would you speak to me this morning? And so, Lord, we, I, I ask that of you this morning. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, this morning we are looking at uh, the text, and we're going to look at it in three sections. Uh, big surprise. Uh, we're going to look at the promise of God, uh, the promise tested, and then the real promise keeper. And so what, uh, as we look at this, the, the promise of God, uh, what do we do when ridiculous promises are made? You know, what do we do when those ridiculous promises are made? And I think sometimes in the, the hardest moments in my life, um, I mean, all I have are the promises of God. I mean, that's all I can hold on to. That's all that keeps me going. I mean, promises like Philippians 1, 6, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion. Mm. That, <laughs> when, when I'm doubting my own salvation, I, I, I hold on to this verse and say, he who began a good work into you will bring it to completion. God, <laughs> am I still saved? Well, God promised it. God began it, he's going to bring it to completion, and I can cling to that. I can cling to this promise. Promises like Romans 8, 28. He 
works all things together for good. I mean, I think when, at times in my life when things seemed very, very dark, I mean, when, when I'm, I'm wondering and I, and I had no answer and no reason or no explanation for what's going on in my life, I cling to this promise because that's all I have. That he's promised he's going to work this all, all for good. I mean, I don't know how he's going to do it, but he can take evil that's been done and he can use it for good and that we can laugh about it later and go, <laughs> I don't know how you plan that. It's, it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. And today we're getting a ridiculous promise in verse 31. It's been given to Mary, and it says, You will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. Mm. I mean, what? <laughs> I think, I mean, this is, God is entering the world through the, through, through the virgin. Like, God is, is doing something wild here, and we can become callous to these Christmas messages and think this is just normal. God came into the world through Mary. This is wild. This is ridiculous. The author of the story says, I'm going to jump into my story. I mean, this is as if the creator of Nintendo says, I'm going to become Mario. What? <laughs> You've lost it. <laughs> this is if J.K. Rowling says, I'm going to be Professor McGonagall. Like, how, how do you do this? The author of, of creation steps into creation. We need to see this as just absurd. Like, we can be skeptical about that and going, uh, is that real? Is that what God says he's doing here? God is entering his story that the creator of the universe, which is himself not actually a part of the universe, it, through his, the person of his son, steps into the universe that he made. I mean, it's wild. And he promises to do it in just this dramatic fashion, not in just any way, but he says in verse 26, Gabriel, this angel, he's going to go to this town called Nazareth. Now, if you don't know anything about Nazareth, Nazareth is this small podunk town that you probably drove through to get to Waco. Right? If you weren't driving down I-35, you probably drove through some of these towns and said, like, who lives here? Why would they choose to live here? That's what they said about Nazareth. Can anything good come from Nazareth? I mean, it, it was a town with a population of 400. Some of y'all are from that town, right? Like, it, it, why did he choose that? <laughs> but God... <laughs> And the promise comes in verse 27, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And so this 15-year-old girl, God works through a 15-year-old girl. Isn't that beautiful? That he's coming through that. To, he's giving a child out of wedlock, right? An unwed mother from humble beginnings I mean, this just feels like it's like the making of like a great hip-hop album, right? <laughs> I mean, like Drake has this song called Started From The Bottom, right? You guys all know this. And one, one of the lines uh, uh, from, from, from the chorus goes, started from the bottom, now we're here. Hmm. <laughs> started from the bottom, now my whole team's here, okay? That's exactly how he says it, just like I say it. <laughs> I was encouraged by Malcolm to not say it the way he says it. <laughs> but I could <laughs> if I wanted to. In this, song, <laughs> in this song, he tells the story of how he, he grew up from these, these very humble beginnings. He grew up in poverty and establishing himself as this premier hip-hop artist, um, that, that, 
one of the greatest in the world, as he might think. You know, Drake says, now we're here, right? We've arrived. We're here. And for here, that means for him that he's got money, he's got wealth, he's got all the, the pleasures that he could go after. But Drake's song, I think, is built on fabricated, humble beginnings. Wasn't he on Degrassi? I mean, what are we going to do with that? That's, 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 that's history. I mean, come on. That, I, mean, I don't know. This is really important to the sermon. <laughs> but Mary was truly at the bottom, right? She's 15 years old, unwed, just told that she's pregnant. She didn't ask for. She's out of wedlock in a small town where everyone would know that you're pregnant, and so the shame would have been amplified, that everyone would, would know that about you. But God would use her. The God who made Mary would live inside of Mary. That's just, isn't that crazy? I mean, I think we need to recapture the wonder of, of this. I mean, God promises to this teenager that I'm going to change the world through you. Verse 30, 31, you will conceive and he will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. I mean, how wild is it to think that the eternal is birthed by the temporary? Like, it just doesn't make sense. And so you can understand why the promise is actually tested. It sounds ridiculous. It sounds too good to be true. I mean, Mary tests this promise. She doesn't go, oh, an angel. Oh, I've heard of these things. This is wonderful. <laughs> That's not her response. Thankfully, <laughs> it says that word that she wonders. She says she wondered about what kind of greeting this would be, right? And that wonder word there is actually the word for taking an audit, right? It's an extremely rational uh, term, taking stock, accounting term. It's, it's rational. It's not turning her brain off. She has healthy doubts about this and asking all kinds of questions about what's happening here. And I think sometimes we think that the people in the Bible are actually just idiots. Well, of course they would believe that. They were, they're so old. <laughs> they were so long ago. They were more primitive then. I'm, I'm sorry, no. Like, we're not that much smarter, <laughs> if anything, right? We have iPhones that do everything for us right? They, they are thinking about this. She's asking the questions we would be asking. And she's visited by this angel, which for anyone is always a bad thing. Whenever you see in scripture that an angel shows up, it's probably not a good thing. Because whenever that happens, pretty much all, all, all the time when angels show up in scripture, it's followed by this verse, do not be afraid. <laughs> it, it's going to be okay, right? So I think sometimes we think, we think of these angels as these mamsy-pamsy, you know, like nice angels, the little babies with wings floating in the air, and we're like, that's not what Scripture says. That's not what Scripture says. They're terrifying. That's why they say, do not be afraid. Some of the angels are described as having six wings and eyeballs all over their body, and then they're flying around violently, and you're like, I don't want anything to do with that. <laughs> Like, it's frightening. In Revelation, some of these angels are holding back the wind. Like, the wind that's going to destroy the earth. They're holding it back. That's the power and the, in the, in just the, the terror that these angels, you know, give off. And so that's why in verse 28, they say, Greetings, O favored one. <laughs> this is a positive encounter. 
And still in verse 29, Mary says, it says she's greatly troubled. And then the angel gives the promise that you will have a child. And then she says, how? I'm not even pregnant. And he says, get this. You won't even need a husband. <laughs> right? <laughs> and you can imagine her saying, what? <laughs> I don't know if you know how this works. <laughs> You're an angel. I'm human. Uh, there's, there's this thing that happens that makes this happen. So we're not going to get into that. But... <laughs> But do you also know what happens to unwed pregnant mothers? Do you know what happens to unwed pregnant mothers in this time? They get stoned to death. So this isn't the greatest of news to her, I would think. So she's probably not excited about this. And then you can imagine Joseph coming to see her, and she says, okay, just a wild story. I'm pregnant. I mean, you can imagine Joseph not thinking, this is fantastic. In fact, in, in the Matthew account, you know, Matthew account, it says that his normal response is actually what's usually, what we would expect. She would have, he would have thought that she cheated on him, right? Like, he, I've seen this story before. Where's the dude? I'm going to kill him. <laughs> Where's he at? He is dead. I'm going after this dude. And so that's the normal response. And Joseph was actually ready to divorce Mary. This beautiful Christmas passage. He was about ready to divorce her. Matthew 1, 19 says, And her husband Joseph, being a just or righteous man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. Oh, that's nice. Some of us would think, what a dirtbag. Are you kidding? Stick up for your woman. But it says he was a righteous man. He's righteous and he's resolving to divorce her quietly it doesn't feel like those things fit but why is it righteous because if joseph had put her on blast and just told the whole world about what she actually has done she would be stoned to death right and according to this law that because it was just so disgraceful for for this to happen and so he he was privately broken over this he still loved her and he said i don't want to do that to you and so he he didn't want to disgrace her he didn't tell his friends he didn't post about it he didn't bring it up years later I mean, he doesn't even get to name this child. None of, none of this feels like it's, it's, it's part of what he, part of his. But he still stays faithful to her. I mean, I mean look how serious they took engagement. And, and, and this passage in Matthew 1, it says, he was enraged to be married, and, but once engaged, I mean, according to Jewish custom, once engaged, it was as if you were legally married. Because they were engaged and he had to file for a divorce. Isn't that wild? That they entered into this covenantal relationship where legally they're actually husband and wife. And so to leave your fiance, you had to get a divorce. But Gabriel talks Joseph out of it and says, here's what the promise is. And he says, okay, I'll, I'll keep with it. Even though that's going to bring more doubt and more shame on my family and on myself. And so the last point I want to talk about with the, the promise tested here is there, there, what I want us to see is there, there are two types of way to test a promise, right? Even in, this, even in this, this, this chapter of Luke 1, the angel Gabriel, before they come to, to Mary, the angel Gabriel comes to John the Baptist's parents and says they're going to have a child, and that's going to be just as miraculous. Maybe not just as, but just still, just still a miracle, right? Because they're saying you will have a child too, but they are so old, 
the, the scriptures go, and, and later, it talks about how old they were. Like, they're just like, they're so old. They were close to death old, it says. <laughs> and Zechariah, John's dad, starts asking questions. Well, how can this be? What, what about this? Similar to what Mary's done. But the angel says when he meets with Zechariah, says, just for that, I'm going to strike you mute until the baby's born. And yet, Mary asks questions, and he says, oh, favored one. <laughs> and, and Tim Keller asked the question, did Zachariah just get a grumpy angel? <laughs> Was he just hangry? <laughs> like, ah, stop talking. <laughs> no, it's the same angel, right? So what happens here is what we're, what we're seeing here are there's two ways to test a promise. There, there's a way that's a sign of a closed mind, and that was a sign of, and there's a sign of an open mind. There's a way to test that wants answers, and there's a way to test that doesn't want any answers. And you probably have seen this on social media before, right? There, there's ways that we engage in conversations as we actually want to uncover the truth, and there's ways we just want to prove a point, or we just want to poke holes in arguments, and we're not actually seeking out the truth. And so this, that's the mind of a pessimist, that's the mind of a cynic, that's the mind of not a truth seeker. But Mary, the truth seeker, hears this ridiculous promise, she tests it, she actually wants to know about this, and then she's introduced to the real promise keeper. And so as she gets introduced to the real promise keeper, she says, how can you do this? And Gabriel says, the Holy Spirit will come upon you in such a way that he won't just be a holy person, God himself will be taking human form right? I mean, this, there's some serious Christology, uh, a study of Christ that, that, that we're learning right here, and we don't have time to go through it all, uh, but the Nicene Creed says, I believe in the one Lord Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, begotten from the Father before all ages, God of God, light of light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, not created, of the same essence, or homoousius, as the Father, and so he's, he's equal in power and glory, right? And so he's saying he's begotten. He's not made, created, he's not created naturally. The natural process could not have brought about the, the Son of God into being. It had to happen this way. I mean, it's beyond human capacity for human parents to produce God, right? But how do we still have God in the baby form? And that's where we, as the church, say, I don't know. That's where we have to say, I don't know. It's a miracle. It is a miracle. We don't know, but God. Only God could have done this. And I serve a God who's not scared of the impossibility. Do you? I mean, if impossible is not in his vocabulary, right? And if, if we're created, uh, or I mean, if we're scared of the impossible, then we have to check what possibilities we're limiting ourselves from. Right? Because you can shoot down the lack of probability. It probably wasn't, it's not probable. I haven't heard of it happening another time. But you can't shoot down the possibility because its uniqueness, it sounds impossible. It sounds, it's not replicable. But this is where we get this beautiful verse in verse 37. 37 is just a beautiful verse. You can paste it across your week. Nothing will be impossible with God. Mm. Nothing. <laughs> Nothing is impossible with God, only God. And if we can just get our minds around how God does everything, wouldn't that just make him just a really weak God? If you, could, if you understand everything about God, wouldn't that just make him weak, boring? We get to this place where we say, I don't know how he did it. I mean, if he can create 
if he can create anything out of nothing just by the word of his mouth, right? If, if he can resurrect the dead, then he can become a baby. This is where we have to lean into the magic of Christianity, that, it, that it's real and true magic. It may sound like a story that's too good to be true, but it's the one that actually is true. It's not a get-rich-quick scheme. And there's, uh, according to this intertestamental book called Enoch, Gabriel is the same angel who is placed at the gates of the Garden of Eden. That same angel at the gates of the Garden of Eden, the angel who drew Adam, drove Adam and Eve out of the Garden and all of us, is the same one who's now inviting us back in. Mm. <laughs> that he's inviting us back in, being the herald of this new new way of life, this, this mighty reversal of sin from the ancestor. He comes to proclaim the one who will save them from their sins. And so he promises to Mary, you will have a son and you will call him Jesus. And in Matthew 1, it's the same passage, say, you shall call his name Jesus. And it says, for he will save his people from their sins. And the name Jesus is transliterated from the Greek, Jesus, which corresponds to the Hebrew name, Joshua, which means savior that our the god of the universe's name is savior and the king of the universe is given the name savior and not savior of the righteous not savior of the put together not savior of the people on time or not savior of whatever law you're trying to measure up to savior of the sinners christ jesus came into the world to save sinners and i think too many times i doubt the biggest promise of god that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. I mean, I, could, I, I, I know I'm messed up. I think all of us can, can see that very clearly. We, we know we're messed up. We know we're broken. We know we're without hope. But the promise of that's why he came was for me? I mean, it's almost too good to be true. It's almost too good to be true that God is on the move toward us and not us towards him. And in fact, when we were running away from him, he came chasing for us. Christianity is the only religion where God moves towards his people instead of them having to move towards him. I mean, if it's up to me, I'm doomed. If it's up to me to initiate this relationship, I am doomed. I know my heart. I know that, I mean, that's just a bootleg promise that you get God if it's up to you. Well, then we're doomed. But his promise this Christmas season is that he came through the Virgin Mary to you, to sinners, to save you, not, not in spite of your sin, but because of your sin. I mean, that, that is the beautiful message of Christmas, <laughs> that you can count this promise as sure, not because they're in your hands, but because they're in his hands, that he is the real promise keeper here. I mean, <laughs> If you put your hope and faith in him, it's not in your grip holding on to him, it's his grip holding on to you. Isn't that the beautiful thing that, that he, we're putting our faith in someone else who, who's a better promise keeper than we ever will be? I mean, you, you can't even prepare for that. You can't prepare for that. The angel just interrupted Mary's regular scheduled program, right? She, he, she inter, he interrupts her. Grace interrupts. <laughs> I love that. Grace arrives when you need it and not when you're prepared for it. I mean, it, is, it arrives when not when you're seeking it or asking for it. Grace doesn't wait till you're ready. Otherwise, grace would never come. And grace would no longer be grace if we had to earn it. And so grace just interrupts us when we're not ready for it. Can you say that with me? Grace interrupts. Grace 
oh, thank Lord, <laughs> that it interrupts our regular scheduled program. It stops us from being as bad as we could be, right? <laughs> and says, let me help you. You didn't even know you needed this. You don't even believe that you, you can get this, but that's why I'm coming for you. That grace interrupts. It's not deserved. It's not earned. It's 100% grace that he comes this Christmas season. And so Mary doesn't understand it all. She doesn't get it all. She admits she's limited, but she drops her conditions to believe and takes her hands off her life, and, and she surrenders to God. I think every Christian, to be a Christian, has to have this same surrender that this 15-year-old girl had. I take my hands off my life and I give it to you. I may not understand everything, but I trust you with my life, right? I mean, this 15-year-old girl took her hands off her life. Though it's going to bring her slander, though it's going to bring her judgment, maybe even death, she releases her grip from her own life, surrenders to the promise of God, and she blesses an entire world because of it. And so too many times in our life, I want to control things. I, 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 and it's in those moments that I realize that I just see the most pain. I don't know about you. In those times when, when I don't surrender to God and to his plan is when I try to supersede his promises and try to work against him. Or I think he doesn't actually want the best for me, and so I try to, I try to work things out and plan things out on my own. <laughs> and that's when I just see my plans just fall flat. And that's when I feel the most pain. is when I'm trying to push God to the side and say, let me work. And God said, sure. <laughs> and then I come crawling back to him. I make a mess of things every single time, but grace interrupts control freaks like me and like you all the time, right? And God interrupts even when we are pushing against him, even when we're saying, not this time, God, I got it. <laughs> he says, no, you don't, Slim. This Christmas, what promises of God do you need to cling to? When life feels out of control, when, when you're anxious, when you're processing trauma or grief, I mean, what, what promises do you need to cling to? Maybe one, some of those from before, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion, that he's working all things for our good. What about this one? 2 Timothy 2.13 says, If we are faithless, he remains faithful. Mm. I need that this morning. I need to believe that he is faithful irregardless of my faithfulness. I mean, I, we can see our own sin. And if, if our own sin, if, if our own faithfulness is what determines whether he is faithful we are we are doomed <laughs> i mean so i need this promise and at these times in my life i just have to cling to it and say all right i believe you're gonna be faithful even though i'm very faithless and so i'm asking you what promises do you need to cling to this week search the book search this book look for some promises that you're saying i don't know i feel out of control search for the promises of god and cling to them this week and say lord it's hard to believe, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to believe and trust in your scripture because it's all I have. 
That's all I have. And I'm going to meditate on the riches of these promises because you are the promise keeper. And that's all I have. And the greatest of all these promises that God came into the world through a virgin for sinners. (laughs) And so this morning, do you believe in that promise that God came to save you, a sinner? If you've never believed that, then I say this morning, put your faith and hope in him. Pray with us after the service. Pray with us during this, this time of quiet reflection. Put your faith and hope in Him. That's why this, we celebrate this whole Christmas season. If you have said, I believe, but now you feel like the Father and say, I, I believe, but help my unbelief, put your faith and hope in Him again. Cling to these promises that God came into this world for sinners. And take your hands off your life like Mary and surrender to those promises. Let's pray.